into scripture into your hearing today I believe this is what the Lord has for our consideration on this first Sunday of the new year it's the Old Testament record the book of Nehemiah Nehemiah I want to look at Nehemiah chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 and then Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 17 through 20 reading the New International Version on today month of Kislev in the 20th year while I was in the citadel of Susa Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then in Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning with verse 17, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. That's enough uh, right there. I want to talk about seeing 2020 in 2020. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Minister Cranford, Danella Cranford again. Thank God for your presence with us today. Uh, seeing 2020 in 2020. I've discovered that the road that travels to uh, your promise and to your victory is not always going to be a smooth road, neither even a straight road. And oftentimes it will include some serious potholes and some sharp turns along the way. Uh, however, we need not get discouraged along this road to promise and to victory if we understand that the God we serve is able to even use the potholes that confront us as a blessing to prepare us and then understand that every bend in the road is not the end of the road. You just got to learn to make the turn. I say that because, listen, each and every one of us in 2020 will have some problems along this journey, unexpected obstacles can get in our way, sharp curves can appear 
at any given moment, but the good news for the believer, the faith walker, the child of God, is that no matter what problems your adversary uses to try to preclude you from proceeding to your promise, because of the providence, protection, and provision of our God, problems are really just possibilities in disguise. And so the Word of God, it shares with us this morning some important thoughts for our consideration regarding turning problems into possibilities. This is important and vital, I believe, for every believer to know because, listen, if one doesn't know how to handle their problems properly, they can end up living life with the attitude of a victim. Every now and then, you and I run into people who always have that attitude of being a victim. They think everything that happens to them was intended to slight them. Y'all know folk like that? But the child of God and the people of faith, we have to understand that God has not called us to live the life of a victim. A victim attitude causes one to have a self-defeated attitude. So God's not given us the life uh, uh, to live of that of a victim, but he's given us the power to gain the victory over each and every adversary that comes up against us. That's why I love that verse, Romans 8 and 31, and I speak it into your spirit, and it is, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? All I'm trying to tell you is that uh, God empowers us to live the life uh, not of a succumber, but rather as a overcomer. The Bible declares that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. And so let me share with you in these next few minutes that are together some biblical principles concerning turning problems into possibilities to reach the vision God has for us even in 2020. For you do know a Christian ought not be someone who sees a difficulty in every opportunity, but rather someone who sees an opportunity in every difficulty. Again, problems are nothing but possibilities in disguise. And so please understand and be clear this morning, this is not some uh, wishful thinking. This is not some uh, pop of psychology. This is not just some motivational talk we're having uh, because we're going to see that no matter what problem might be precluding and preventing you from your promise, Listen, God already has a pre-designed plan in place designed to turn your problems into your possibility. Some of you missed it. I said God has a pre-designed plan. You still not listen. If it's pre-designed, that means that that struggle that you're facing is not catching God by surprise. God has already made a way for you to win and get the glory even before you knew what your dilemma was. It's in the word of God. Romans 8, 29, 30. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his... Any Bible readers in here? To the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Turn to somebody and just tell them, I may have some problems, 
but it's working in my favor. You turn to the wrong person, turn to the other one and tell them, I got 99 problems, but favor ain't one of them. God's already predestined me to win in the end. Won't he do it? Now there's some steps we got to know that, that we need to maximize God's plan in our lives. This vision God has for each one of us even in 2020. And so consider these steps through an episode in the life of Nehemiah. Uh, he's the figure in our text. He's a towering figure uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, despite having some towering problems uh, that would have overwhelmed a lesser person. Uh, Nehemiah had difficulties you and I would find hard perhaps to even imagine, but yet he was able to see God's potential and vision for his life in each problem. Understand this about Nehemiah, he was an outstanding individual of character. Uh, matter of fact, his name itself, uh, Nehemiah, literally means in Hebrew, the consolation of God, the comfort of God, if you will. And, 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 and it's good to know that because when you look at his life, you see how God has been with him even through the difficult moments. It's interesting when you look at him, you notice his interactive skills. He was a skilled politician back in Jerusalem. Uh, he had great administrative ability, but yet he had been uprooted from his native land. He had been snatched away from familiar surroundings. He's now settled in a strange land. He's now residing in a foreign country, but yet because of God's favor, he's now serving as a cupbearer to a king. Mm -hmm. King by the name of Artaxes in the palace known as Shushan. I know that might sound like an oxymoron. How can you say that, Pastor? You say he's favored? Yeah, he's favored. Well, how can he be favored and still serving simply as a cupbearer to a king? Well, understand, it's been a long time. Uh, since he's been back home, it's been a long time since he's heard any news from back home. But while he was in this palace uh, at Shushan, uh, working as a simple cupbearer to the king, listen, he runs into some of the brethren from back home. Uh, Hanani and a delegation from uh, his homeland in Jerusalem, uh -huh. and he inquires of them uh, as to how things are going back home. Uh, you can understand that if, if you've been away uh, from the place where you were born and you run into somebody you know from there, uh, you're quick to ask them, how are things going back home? Yeah. I was talking with Elder Sam Bennett yesterday. Uh, he went to college at Weber State. Uh, Weaver State in Ogden, Utah, where I'm from, where I was born, and we're talking about things that have gone on uh, in Utah and Salt Lake City since we were there. there. So this is what happens with Nehemiah. He hears these fellas are from back home. He says, listen, guys, how are things going on uh, back there? And listen, the delegation reports to him uh, that the remnant... Uh, the little that was left in Jerusalem uh, after the exile, listen, the little that's there is in great affliction. They reported to Nehemiah that the people were in great trouble. They were in great disgrace. They were in great sorrow. The walls of the city uh, had been broken down. The once strong and beautiful gates of the city had been burned and now are laying in ashes. And certainly hearing this kind of news, 
uh, from back home greatly disturbed Nehemiah. Uh, if you got word from back home that your friends and relatives and folk had fallen on hard times, if you got word that many of the familiar and cherished places of your past had gone to ruin, that would have disturbed you as well as certainly disturbed uh, Nehemiah. And it's interesting that uh, before uh, Nehemiah would go in before the king, he would put forward his best countenance uh, as a cupbearer serving the king. He would have a smile on his face. He would put forth his best disposition. But on this particular day, after hearing this troubling news from back home, when he went before the king as the king's cupbearer, his usual countenance of gladness had now turned to sadness. There's no sparkle in his eye. There's no pep in his step. Uh, there's no tag on his swag. There's no glide in his stride. And the king notices the change in his countenance. And you know if you are a perceptive person and you know a person fairly well, they don't have to say anything. You can look at them and tell when they're going through a tough time. Mm -hmm. And so Nehemiah goes before the king and the king was able to notice uh, his countenance, his unusual disposition, his body language, all that had changed. And so the king knew something was terribly and seriously wrong. Nehemiah says to the king, are they diseased? When the king asked him what's going on with him, he said, well, I got word from back home. The walls of the city have been broken down. The gates of the city have been burned. I've already prayed to God of heaven about it. I've confessed our sins before him, and I just asked the Lord to give me the chance to return to Jerusalem, to rebuild the walls, put up new gates to the city, and to restore the city to its former splendor. Now notice, if you will, Nehemiah was in a serious dilemma, but yet he had a vision of his victory. Uh -huh. yeah, listen, when you're facing challenges and going through problems, it's always a good thing to visualize where you intend to go to. All right. In other words, Nehemiah shows us that we ought not get uh, stuck on what our situation is, uh, but rather visualize what your situation is to become. You're not getting it. Okay, y'all know Tiger Woods? Back in the day when he was uh, first ranked number one in the golf world, listen, he was interviewed at Tiger Woods. I'll never forget. He was asked, he said, now, Tiger, what makes the difference uh, in your approach to the game? What makes the difference even when you address the golf ball? What, what is it about you that is so different from all these other pro golfers who can't do what you do? He says, well, uh, when other golfers address the ball, they visualize in their mind their swing and how they want to hit the ball. He says, I don't do that. He says, when I address the ball, I visualize in my mind where I intend for the ball to go to. Mm, all right. Listen, to visualize means to see something in the mind's eye, even if it's not in the physical eye. It has been said that a vision is born uh, in the soul of a person who is consumed with the tension between what is and what could be. And so anyone who is frustrated or even brokenhearted about the way things are in any area of your life, in light of the way you believe things could be, listen, you are a great candidate for a vision upgrade. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was Harriet uh, Du Altman uh, 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 who said, no vision and you perish, no ideal and you are lost. Your heart must ever treasure some faith at any cost. 
some hope to cling to, some rainbow in the sky, some service that is high, some melodies to sing to. You ought to have a dream you ought to be. So obsessed with your oughtness that you are never incarcerated by your isness. Mm. And so please know and understand God's vision for your life requires more for you than simply reflecting upon what could be. After all, reflecting on what could be is only an ideal or a dream. But listen, God's vision for your life carries with it a sense of conviction. In other words, it's not just what could be done in light of what is, but it is what should be done in light of what can be. It's something that has got to come to pass. And so it moves from uh, you and satisfaction with some passive concern uh, to motivation for positive action for what can be. And then it's conviction that gives vision a sense of urgency. The Bible says that even if the vision tarries, wait on it. It's got to come to pass. And so Nehemiah heard uh, what the situation was like but had a vision of what it could become. Bible says without vision, again, the people perish. But one of the interesting things about Nehemiah at the time he gets the vision is that he was in a position and place where it seemed like with all of his skill set, he was underutilized where he was. I told you it's an oxymoron. He, he was in favor with God, but yet he's serving as a cup bearer. Noted politician back home, but he's serving as a cup bearer. Somebody in here can uh, relate to that. You know, with all you have to offer, with your skill set, with your ideals, it seems like you're waking up every day to a job or situation that's not even tapping a quarter of your ability or skill level. You know what that feels like? Yeah, yeah, you've got so much more to offer than what is coming out of you and what you're given the opportunity uh, to express. And it seems like your immediate circumstance has nothing to do with the vision God, uh, uh, you believe, is, uh, is developing in you. And so if that's where you are, just realize that you're still in some good company. Right. You're still in a position for some great possibilities. Listen, listen, vision... Uh, it is really a sneak preview uh, of a coming attraction. All right. But if you ever been to the movie, you know you can't see the the, the sneak preview until the theater gets dark. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is this mic still on? Uh, 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 that, that, that's why that's that's why Joseph didn't really see uh, his vision uh, while he was being underutilized until he was thrown down in an Egyptian dungeon. Y'all know the story of Joseph, but then he went on to be secretary of state over the whole nation. And so I said, you in some good company if you've been in an underutilized situation. Uh, Moses didn't see his vision until uh, years after he had been a sheep herder. Looked like he was operating in an underutilized position, but then he went on to lead the children of Israel out of bondage. David, y'all remember David? Looked like he was being underutilized, even with his vision, while cleaning up behind his father Jesse's sheep. But when the vision came and the anointing poured out on him, he went on to be the great king of Israel. I said, if you feel like you've been underutilized, stay faithful where you are. 
and God will make a way for you in a position where you are right. and give you an anointing to go along with it. Amen. The Bible says if you're just faithful over a few things, yeah. I'll end up making you ruler over many. Won't he do it? Yeah. So now Nehemiah receives the vision while being a cupbearer to the king. And it's more amazing when you think of the fact that this king and his ancestors, listen, they really were the ones who had destroyed the city he's talking about rebuilding. Did y'all catch that? Yeah, he, he's trying to rebuild Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who took him out of exile from Jerusalem right, yeah. and allowed the city to go down. And so what are you saying? When it looks like your circumstances uh, are, are below your potential, just be encouraged anyhow and know that God has you where he has you, uh, not only for a season, but really for a reason. All right. And sometimes he'll use your pain to push you further toward your promise. I wish I could make that clear this morning. And, and, and the fact is that Nehemiah had not been where he was, uh, when he was. While other folk were talking about, man, you up there serving that king, you could be great doing something somewhere else. But if, but but if he had not been where he was and faithful, he never would have received the news regarding what was going on back home. Right. And then he never would have been able to request and receive resources yes. that he needed from the king yes. in order to rebuild the walls and replace right, the gates. Right, right. Lord have mercy today. And so if you're going to change problems into possibilities, right. not only must you visualize your success, but then you've got to be faithful right where you are mm -hmm. to the one who's able to give you what you need in order for you to get the victory. Yes. And isn't it interesting, God can even use folk uh, who aren't even necessarily for you uh -huh. to be a blessing to you, right. and they won't even know why they're helping you. So Nehemiah comes into the presence of the king. He continues to serve the king as I hasten on, and he serves him faithfully, and the king notices his disposition. And listen, the king ends up asking Nehemiah, he says, well, listen, uh, how much time you need off? What do you need? I'm willing to give you a paid leave of absence. You just tell me what you need. Yeah. Nehemiah engages the king. He tells him what he needs. And the Bible says everything he said just pleased the king. And so Nehemiah says to the king, he says, listen, uh, if it be pleasing in your sight, give me some letters. And address the letters to the governors beyond the river. Uh-huh. Now, the governors beyond the river were the governors who occupied the land uh, of northwest Mesopotamia. Mm. So we're in North Africa. He says, give me some letters uh, so that uh, they won't bother me while I'm traveling trying to get back home. Mm. He says, they'll give me safe passage. He said, plus I need some of their resources as well. Mm. And so he gets letters. He sends them. And uh, he says, give me one to ASAP because I'm going to need some timber. Uh, I'm going to need some timber to rebuild the walls. And I'm going to need some timber to rebuild the gates and timber to build new housing. And the Bible says that when Nehemiah came uh, to these governors on the other side of the river, uh, uh, because he had visualized the success of his efforts, but also because he had been faithful in his duties with the king, uh, uh, after doing all of that, the Bible says the king took it upon himself chapter 2 verse 9 to send captains of the army and horsemen with Nehemiah 
But the Bible says something interesting around verse 10. The Bible says that uh, he ran into some fellows, Sanballat and Tobiah. And Sanballat and Tobiah and others started grieving them exceedingly. Uh, talking about what y'all doing coming trying to rebuild the city. Now remember the walls were broken down. Uh, the gates have been burned. Uh, the walls symbolize the character and morals of the city. The burned gates denoted their self-esteem and morale. And so you would have thought that everybody around town would have been cheering and encouraging Nehemiah in the rebuilding of the walls and the replacing of the gates. But no, no, the Bible said they were met by Sandalit and Tobiah. That's in verse 10. And I think I'll tell somebody in here, uh, don't find it unusual uh, whenever you purpose to do a good work. And whenever you're chasing the vision God has given you, there's going to be some folk close up around you. There's going to be some Sanballats and some Tobias hanging around you. You thought they'd be for you, but they're the ones most critical against you. But since Nehemiah was faithful to the king, and received the letters from the king. Listen, uh, even if Nehemiah didn't expect all the resentment and the hateration he ran into, the king must have been looking out for him because I told you he runs into Sam Ballad and Tobiah in verse 10, but in verse 9, the king had already sent captains and horsemen with him in verse 9. All right. You missed your shout. I said verse 10. He runs into some Tobias and Sanballats. But verse 9, the king must have been looking out for him because the king sent uh, some captains and horsemen with him. What are you saying, Pastor? Stay encouraged even when the potholes and sharp curves are in the road because, listen, for every Sanballat and for every Tobiah you face in your verse 10, God already has a captain and some horsemen for you in verse 9. Won't he do it? And so when you're fighting to bring the vision God has given you to pass, and you're met with hostility even from those close around you and those you thought would be cheering you. Don't get despondent. Don't get depressed. Just know that if King Artaxerxes could favor Nehemiah with what he needed, if you faithful to your heavenly father, he's the king of kings. Think about how much more he's willing and able to supply whatever you need and give you favor and anointing to go along with it. That's why I tell anybody, when you come into Cornerstone, I don't care what you've been going through the past week. Whenever you come in here, I don't care what your problem was. When you come in here, you all come in here with some great expectations. Because it's just no telling what God is willing and able to do. Won't he do it? You might come in here broke as you can be, but you all come in here like you just won the lottery. You might come in here sick, but you all come in here like you already been healed. You might come in here lied on, cheated, talked about, mistreated, but you all come in here like somebody just threw you a celebration party. Doesn't matter what your problem is, if you can catch the vision God has for you, stay faithful in your worship. Take the letter from the king, that's the word of God, and go ahead and build your walls. Am I preaching to anybody? Go ahead, build your walls. Go ahead and build your gates. 
And don't worry about the Tobias and Sam Dallas. Yes. Because when the anointing is on you, yes. your haters can't do nothing to you in the house. Right. Can you help me preach? And just turn to my dad tell her, I'm too blessed yes. to be stressed. Yes. I'm too anointed yes. to be disappointed. Tobias and Sam Balance in 2019. But thank God he sent you some captains and horsemen the first time and made a way out of no way. And now when you look back at Tobias and Sam Balance, you can tell them like Mike Jones back then, you didn't want me. Now I'm hot, you all up on me. You used to love to diss me. Now you're trying to hug and kiss me. Won't he do it?